Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Tyler. I'm Jamie, and it, this is a quick thing. First off, uh, for those of you who are subscribed to our Quick Channel Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube pages, you would have seen that this past Sunday, a new Quick Review has been put up, the first in over a year. Jamie and I finally went back to the theater this weekend to check out Black Widow, which we will discuss in depth. Uh, but first, um, I wanted to talk about our theater experience uh, real quick. Like, um, Let's talk about like what it was like to be back in the theater Um on my end, I, w- I was fine, you know, like it mostly felt like we never left. Um, I thought it would feel a bit surreal, but that wasn't the case. You know, uh, there were some people wearing their masks in the theater, which, um, you know, I was also wearing, though not many were, um, but it wasn't filled to capacity. But there was a good number of people overall, but I was comfortable. You know, what about you? Uh, I was fine. Um, I, I if, well, it felt it felt great to be back in the theater for one. Yeah. You know, and it's like a. Uh, it like it didn't have that feeling like that that welcome back kind of feeling and stuff right yeah but but like it, it it was like one of those cases where it's it's like uh it's like you know picking up where we left off pretty much exactly now there were at least two trailers that we saw for films that caught our interest um we'll discuss those in a segment called trailer talk coming soon to theaters so first up, we have uh, Protégé. So uh, that stars Maggie Q and Michael Keaton with Samuel L. Jackson, who won't be in this long because he dies in the trailer. Uh, the oh, film, Maggie Q, oh my God. Yeah, the film uh, tells a story of an assassin named Anna, played by Maggie Q, who is out for revenge following the murder of her mentor and father figure, Moody, played by Samuel L. Jackson. So it seems that Michael Keaton's character, Rembrandt, is responsible. So she goes after him, and we see some pretty good action uh, and fight sequences here. So the film is directed by Martin Campbell, who has directed a number of films, um, but two of note are GoldenEye and Casino Royale, which reinvented Bond twice, as well as The Mask of Zorro. Um, yes, he also directed Legend of Zorro, but Mask of Zorro was much better. But those three films show that he knows how to handle action and story. And he also has like a really great eye for visuals and style. So I'm looking forward to that one. That was a nice surprise. It was a nice surprise. I'm just waiting for Samuel Jackson to be like, I'm dead, motherfucker. (laughs) So, um, next up we got... Yeah. Uh, Next up we have Reminiscence starring Hugh Jackman, Rebecca Ferguson, and, uh, Tendiway Newton. Um, this sci-fi film tells uh, the story of veteran Nick Bannister, who lives in the near future, flooded Miami, much like New York was last week. Um, he has a, uh, a unique occupation where he can give clients a chance to relive uh, any memory uh, they want, similar to Ray Fiennes' character in Strange Days. Uh, he then meets Rebecca Ferguson's character, May, who he falls in love with and wants to learn more about her. But another client's memories tie her to a series of violent crimes. So Nick becomes like obsessed with her and uh, trying to find out the truth about her past um but he may not like what he finds if he survives but uh both films uh open on august 20th um and uh which is you know pretty good uh but i'm looking i'm looking forward to both of them really i I really like this one this one uh it has a good detective type of thing to it but with a sci-fi twist and i I, i'm liking that and you know hugh jackman pretty much is in is good in pretty much anything he does so i'm looking forward to that one it it, it definitely was an interesting trailer to say the least Yeah. yeah um I mean, between those two, I think personally the protege is the stronger of the two. Yes, yes. But I'm I'm still gonna check out the reminiscence. Yeah, I mean, like the protege is more of a mystery, uh, like thriller film, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, and hopefully it's not one of those like obvious uh, ones, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I hope not. I hope not, man. But yeah, but, yeah. but we'll find I'll out find on uh, well on August twentieth and afterwards because you know it'd be cool to see them both on the same day. But you know, we'll probably only see one. We're, 
It would. Well, it would be. I mean, I say we just play it by ear. Let's yeah. say it happens. But nevertheless, either or, it's still going to bring us even closer to number 400. So now that's going to bode the question as to what will movie number 400 be? Uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, I'm going to, I think out of the both of them, the one we'll see first out of the two is going to be Protégé, I think. Oh, oh definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm leaning more towards that to, to check out. Yeah. You know, for, to say the least. And now our feature presentation. Now, um, now for Black Widow, man. You know, after a long delay, Black Widow finally debuted last week. As we mentioned, the Black Widow. As we mentioned, me and Jamie did a quick review where you can uh, get our brief thoughts uh, on the film. Now available on our Quick Channel Instagram page. Uh, now we're going to elaborate on those a bit more uh, with a more uh, in-depth discussion of the film. But first off, um, it's being received well and so far getting good reviews and doing well at the box office. So a little background here. Natasha Romanova, as she is known in the comics, debuted as an Iron Man villain in Tales of Suspense in 1964. She was created by Stan Lee, Don Rico, and uh, Don Heck, and uh, was, a, was a typical cliched Russian uh, spy femme fatale for the time. Eventually, in the, in the 1970s, um, there was an, an issue of Amazing Spider-Man number 86. She was updated to her more traditional look as we know her now. Uh, she guest starred in Daredevil and had a romance with him as well in the comics. Uh, she had a few solo comic series and miniseries to this day. Uh, her original origin has her being raised by a man named Ivan uh, Ivan Petrovich uh, and she trained uh, to be a Soviet spy. Later on, uh, that was later revised and retconned where she was trained in the Red Room as part of the Black Widow program, which first appeared back in 1999 in the second issue of Black Widow's comic series at the time. That same year, saw the first appearance of the second Black Widow, Yelena Belova, created by Devin Grayson and J.G. Jones, who was originally an antagonist for Natasha, who eventually reforms her. Uh, Red Guardian first appeared in Avengers Comics in 1967 as the Soviet equivalent to Captain America. And now Rachel Weisz's character, Melina von Vostokov, um, who was shown in the film to be part of the Black Widow program and a former Black Widow herself, was different from the comics. Um, there, there she was known as Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden? Excellent! and was a villain that Natasha fought, uh, basically fought against on occasion. Although there was a brief uh, reference to that, since you can quickly see uh, the Iron Maiden mask in her closet armory in the movie. Uh, we'll get to Taskmaster, but first, let's discuss the movie, uh, which of course takes place after Captain America Civil War and before Infinity War. Uh, we get to learn about her past and what she has been doing since Civil War, and now uh, she's finally going to bring down the Red Room. We also get to see how she got that, you know, sweet tactical vest she wears in Infinity War. I mean, it's a nice moment. It doesn't really add anything substantial, but it's a nice moment. I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing uh, with the sentiment, but I don't think any of us wondered where she got that vest. Um, no, no. Yeah. So it was, like, I'm pretty sure someone did, like, you know, yeah. You know, it's like, hey, where'd she get that? I highly doubt anybody like, you know, asked that. Yeah, like what would have made a better moment uh, in that same vein was showing yeah, how did her she, hair. That's different. Yeah, how she got the uh, arrow necklace she wears and has been wearing for a few of the movies, uh, even in this one. It can it can showcase the friendship between her and Hawkeye. There were uh, references regarding the, regarding their history, especially uh, the room where she and Yelena were at uh, Budapest or Budapest, whatever strikes your fancy. However, we still didn't. I like to say Budapest. Yeah. However, we still didn't get a payoff to that story with her and Clint and uh and their time there 
But, you know, I get it that this wasn't that story. So, um, but it would have been a nice moment since this would cover something that's existed in subsequent films and something she has an emotional attachment to. But I digress. That That's just a nitpick. So Scarlett Johansson, like she was great in this. I've always liked her as Black Widow. I loved her relationship with uh, with her foster family and her foster sister, Yelena, and their back and forth bickering. I also really liked her confrontation with Drakoff, who is not part of the comics. Um, it was a te- It was tense at times and brutal. Um, but she, but she got him good. Like you didn't know how she was going to get out of it. Um, now did the film present good closure for her character in a way? Yes, it did. I I wish we could have gotten more. And the fact that it took so long for this to come out and it's just a one-off, especially after her character died is really to the film's detriment. Florence Pugh as Elena stole the show in a lot of scenes. Um, I liked how she kept uh, busting Natasha's chops like a little sister, and I also liked her story as well. Um, She looked at Natasha and her foster family as her real family, because in that situation, that's what they were, and she was holding on to that. Uh, The fight scene between her and Natasha was great. Um, They were evenly matched since they had the same training, and it was a very well-done fight. Like, it was really good. I'm, I'm I'm looking for to seeing more of her as Natasha's successor. Um, David Harbour was good as Red Guardian and added a lot of the humor in the film, although he wasn't that way in the beginning of the film in the flashback. When we do see him again, he became a bit of a goof, but thankfully still dangerous. Rachel Weisz as Melina was kind of a bit of a standout for me. Like She always had a plan. When something went wrong, she adapted and didn't lose her cool at all. She was like always prepared. It was great to see. I I really love that about her character. It would be really cool to see more from her or give her a spinoff. It'd be a shame to have you know to not have her come back because it seems she has such a as much as of an interesting story and backstory as natasha uh ray winstone as drakoff made a good villain you really couldn't wait to see him get his ass handed to him you know um although he kind of went out like a cartoon with his glasses going toward the camera and his uh you know as his chopper exploded i would have preferred natasha just to put a bullet between his eyes or something but uh, you know, or something a bit more visceral, but this is a Disney movie and it's a bit tamer. Um, I would have preferred the tone to have been similar to Captain America Winter Soldier, um, which would have made sense as both her and Steve occupy the same espionage world. Um, this one didn't have as much grit, I felt, but that's just me. Um, they're presenting like because they're presenting a lot of serious things here. What the what the Red Room does to women and essentially what Drakov did to women and enslaved them Um it was it also brought up how Natasha is a trained assassin and has killed but is being presented as a hero as well not just to everyone to the general public but also to little girls you see her guilt but it's then glossed over and never brought up again and I mean look at Bucky he's go, he's going through redemption he and Natasha are kindred spirits in a way um, but she's not going through the same arc and remember in Civil War all of her secrets were made public so everyone knows what she's done in her past but it's never addressed she's only on the run because she's assisted Captain America in Civil War. But if we had a few more films or a TV series, we probably could have done more with that. But again, tonally, they couldn't have done that because they wanted these films to be accessible to everyone, smartly so, which is why we see which is why we see it as a much more has a bit of a more sci-fi and less grounded take on Natasha's world as well as the spy genre. But funny enough, a good reference is Moonraker, which we see she is watching a bit before things kick off. Uh, maybe that was a little tip of the hat as to what tone they were going for in a way. So moving on to Taskmaster, they obviously did a departure from the comics where he was a man by the name of Anthony Masters. He was created by 
David Michelini and uh, George Perez and appeared in an issue of The Avengers in 1980. His mimicking ability where he can copy anyone's fight style um, he sees is not really viewed as a superpower, but that also depends on the writer over time. Um, he's been mostly portrayed as a villain or a mercenary for hire and occasionally an anti-hero. They kind of threw the character away in this by just having her be under the influence of mind control, which is a shame because you see how formidable Taskmaster was in this movie and would have made a pretty good antagonist going forward. You see her fight with Black, uh, you see her fight like with Black Panther, Bucky, Captain America, and of course Black Widow's fighting styles uh, to great effect. But it was, you know, it was a nice twist to make her Drakov's daughter, who Natasha thought she killed. Uh, Taskmaster was played by Olga Krylenko, who I really like as an actress, and it was a nice surprise to see her here. Um, I hope they bring her back because there is a lot of potential there. Scarlett Johansson has said that uh, to comment. On this incredible movement of women supporting other women and coming through these shared experiences of trauma on the other side by really coming forward and supporting one another. That's what she wanted this movie to be about. And you do see that here. When when all uh, the widows were freed from Drakov, they came to help Natasha in the end. And you see them help a Taskmaster after she is free from her mind control instead of just casting her out, which makes me think we haven't seen the last of her. But it was a nice moment to see. Uh, Natasha and Yelena put their differences aside as well. And in the end, Melina chose to help her foster family too. So overall, I did like the movie. Um, it was a light affair, but it entertained. Uh, we had a great cast, great action, and an entertaining story. While it wrapped things up with Natasha and set things up for the future, it was hampered by the fact that it was released late. If we had this movie before Infinity War, it would have benefited better and had more of an impact. Um, whenever we you see Natasha in danger, you're not really worried because you know how she really dies, and it takes away the tension. Although, to be fair, for those who haven't kept up with the Marvel films and don't know her story, they'll be thoroughly entertained regardless so besides the little nitpicks i had uh with the tone and the release schedule i would recommend it but i do feel we are owed more with natasha there are still a lot of things to explore and it's a shame that it took this long to even start doing so you know oh, absolutely uh i overall like the film entirely um right i really liked the action i liked the story mm -hmm. uh the cast was really good of course like you mentioned florence Pugh was the the highlight yes the uh the show stealer per se um, Florence Pugh for those that may or may not know she also played Paige in uh, Wrestling With My Family um, alongside The Rock who also played The Rock mm. kind of gets me a little curious as to whether, like, whether I should like check out that film judging by like how good of an actress she is here yeah. but but regardless you know like I, I really I really liked her character overall and and the, and she she helped uh, strengthen the movie um not saying that the the others didn't, but she she definitely was a good addition to it. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing her again and like uh, whatever future story she's going to be involved in. Definitely. So um, so, so Jamie, uh, are we Jamie, going off the top rope? We are going off the top rope. Sadly, on a somber note, and more on that in a bit. Today, unfortunately, it, it, the somber news is like what we've been getting a lot lately. So. Uh, today, unfortunately, is no different as today we mourn the loss of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff at the age of 71. Causes are still yet unknown, but they say it is believed that it may have something to do with his uh, diagnosis of dementia, which he was uh, which was revealed that he had a few years ago. Oh, wow. He, he, he is a cancer survivor. He, he beat it back in 2011. From that point on, he was just uh, a trainer and um, 
after retiring from wrestling, that's all he mostly did. Just like started his own school and he like uh, trained uh, perhaps a lot of the, of the guys that are out there now. His full name, Paul Parlette Orndorff Jr. Born on October 29th, 1949. Passed away today, again at the age of 71. Um, best known for his appearances from World Wrestling Federation. Specifically, he had a tremendous feud with the one and only Hulk Hogan. Uh, in fact, um, part of that feud, what he would do was he would come out to Hogan's music and mockery of him. Part of the Heenan family. So, you know, those two are reunited once again. Got inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2005 and into the National Wrestling Alliance Hall of Fame in 2009. After seven years of working around the National Wrestling Alliance, uh, made his de- well, he made his debut in 1976 for the NWA. And shortly after that, he became a star in the 1980s uh, when the wrestling, uh, when pro wrestling like really started to get more popular and to, more into the limelight. In fact, he was in the very first WrestleMania in the main event, teaming alongside uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper against uh, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T, uh, in which uh, Hogan and Mr. T were victorious. And, of course, WrestleMania boomed into the financial juggernaut that it is today. Paul Orndorff, also known for his uh, patented pile driver, which many, which he made, he made look so good. Like he made it seem like he really like paralyzed the guy. But you know, he the the way he he executes it, it's just so it's just so well done. He was a former WCW World Television Champion, and he was also a former World Tag Team Champion along with Paul Roma as part of the team known as Pretty Wonderful. Arm atrophy from his nagging injury led him to retire in 2000, and from that point on, that's when he. Uh, that's when he, uh, you know, started sticking to training other wrestlers and and just, uh, you know, making appearances here and there, which he has done for the WWF. But Paul Orndorff was definitely a fixture for my childhood, uh, whether he was a bad guy or a good guy. Uh, he was a great heel. From my personal opinion, I think he should have at least had one good run as world champion. I think he would have done a great job as a heel champion. I don't know. That's that's just me. Like he, he I think uh, he just had the look. Of course, he, he had. He was like incredibly ripped, and he just knew how to. He just he just knew how to take care of himself. But then along the way, like one of his like his arms and his like one of his arms and one of his legs was like you know thinner than the others. So I don't know if it came through from his from his atrophy or whatever. But Paul Orndorff will be missed. He had a hell of a legacy. In fact, there's one funny skit from his WCW days where he and uh, Psychic Friends Network uh, Danny Spivey uh, had a little skit going where Paul, where Mr. Wonderful was starting to doubt himself, saying it was like, oh, because he kept losing and he kept getting frustrated. But, you know, he kept saying, but Danny Spivey kept saying, you know, you are Mr. Wonderful. You are Mr. Wonderful. It was a funny skit, but it was also, I don't know, it was a little weird. A friend of mine uh, taped it, and he just loves playing that over and over again for me. And Tyler, you know which friend I'm talking about, too. Yes. <laughs> so, Mr. Wonderful will be missed. At least now he's among the greats up there alongside Bobby Heenan. So, 
He's uh, reunited with the Hina family once again, and may he rest in peace. Mr. Wonderful, forever wonderful, never to be forgotten. Tyler? Thanks, man. Uh, may he rest in peace. Um, and that's our show. Thanks for listening. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts, as well as our quick channel Instagram and Facebook pages. Please subscribe or drop a review, preferably both, and we'll see you next week. But I do know Mandinka. By lunchtime, I'd pretty much forgotten about the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs>